0: Today, our text describes for us the potential the local church has. The text today describes exactly what a church should do. So his staff is just a picture of what God is doing and how he is raising up leadership at a church in order to disciple people and to mature people. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 12 through 16, and we're going to see probably the clearest uh, portion of Scripture that lays out for us exactly what a church ought to do, how it should structure itself, what it should be about, what its goal is. And many of you, this will be a familiar passage as we look at specifically verse 12, um, but we're going to look at what God describes for us as um, spiritual maturity. We're calling today's title, Walking with Christ Towards maturity. And we're gonna look at two main aspects that Ephesians 4 points out for us. We're gonna look at the process of maturity, like how do people grow? What is the church's role in spiritual maturity? What is their goal? What should they be about? What What should they do? And then the last piece we'll look at is the product of maturity. What should it produce? The end result, the goal in each individual life, what is the purpose of the church and what should the result be? So today, if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter four, I will read for you verses 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 16 says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets. In love, May God bless the reading of our word. Um, if you have your notebooks, your sermon notebooks, I do want to make one note before we dive in. We have decided to combine week six and week seven. So if you like details and filling in notes, you'll be a little confused. So just a heads up on that. We have combined week six and seven. So just to clarify that. Um, Today, our scripture paints for us what maturity looks like, how people grow, and what the process is, and what the end result is. For those of you that are parents in this room, I think you'll completely agree with this. One of the most fun aspects of parenting is seeing your children grow up, isn't it? just seeing them take new steps, new abilities, new understandings, it's absolutely so fun. Sadly, sometimes I don't always see it because I spend so much time with them, but then somebody, we were just on vacation with my parents and my parents were like, Lana, you are so tall or thin, you've gotten so big, and you're like, really? I I haven't seen that, or wow, you're so capable, you're so independent now, and you're like, yeah, you're right. Thanks for pointing that out. I've kind of missed it. But that's definitely one of the greatest joys of seeing my kids become more independent, more able, able to do things on their own, think rationally, uh, make logical conclusions to problems. It's absolutely so fun. And I want you to know that is also true of being a pastor. Being a pastor and shepherding people, one of the greatest joys is seeing people take next steps spiritually, People who once came and were just feeders, growing up and going on to leading and teaching others. Today's text shows us the process of maturity and the product of maturity. That's why we wanted to bring the staff up here here today to let you know how you can get involved. And how you can use your gifts, talents, and abilities to lead and shepherd others. Because that's our heartbeat for you. That's our desire for you. That you wouldn't just come and soak up and enjoy. We hope you do that. But that you would continue to mature and you would lead and shepherd others like Christ calls you to do. So let's first look at the process of maturity that's laid out for us in Ephesians chapter four. How Christ describes how maturity and growth works in the context of the local church. It, It looks like this behind you, I'll just read it for you. It says, the church leaders equip the saints. We see that in verses 11 and 12. And then we see the equipped saints grow up into one mature body, verse 15. And then in verse 16, we see the mature body builds itself up in love. Let me walk you through that real quick. The process goes like this. The church leaders, as described in verse 11, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, just for today's clarification, simplicity, we're going to define that as church leaders. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now if you want to know exactly who are the apostles, who are the prophets, who are the evangelists, go back and listen to last week's message. That was Todd's job, not mine. So you can go back and have him describe for you what those roles were and how they still function today. But their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So the big question we have to wrestle with is what does it mean to equip What is a pastor's job? What is a church leader's job to equip? What is our task? Literally, that word equip means to bring to an end or to finish or to bring to completion. Isn't that interesting? So my job is to equip you or to bring you to an end, bring you to finish or bring you to completion. Kind of an interesting wording. I I wouldn't have probably expected that right at the beginning. So let me describe it for you. My job uh, or a pastor, or church leader's job is I want you to think of a home project. Maybe during COVID, you guys wrote down a list of things that you wanted to do. And so the goal is to get that home project to the place where it can accomplish its purpose. Does that make sense? Your job in a home project is to get that project to be functioning. So during COVID, we had a, ba- a basement bathroom built. And when was the project complete? When it functioned like it ought to, right? Our bathroom's not supposed to be beautiful. It's supposed to be functional. I should be able to push the flush button and the water should go down. See, I don't know anything about homes. The flush button, I'm not sure that's even right. But uh, that's the goal, is for the bathroom to function. That means that that bathroom is fully equipped. That's what we wanted to do. When is it when it functions like it ought? Today, you could say that my bathroom is fully equipped, it functions like it ought to. Probably a more vivid illustration would be that of the military. Think of what the military does the military takes kids, they take teenagers right out of high school, and they equip them to be soldiers, they prepare them to work and to do a task. To be highly functioning, self-sufficient soldiers. Have you ever seen an 18-year-old go off to boot camp and then you bump back into them in three or four years? You barely recognize them. They grew up. They became a man. It's amazing. It's incredible. The military pours into them. They teach them. They train them. They disciple them. They correct them and they challenge them. The military understands their job is to equip them. Their job is to prepare them, to get them ready to serve and lead others, bring them to the place where they can accomplish the task they were called to do. That's my job. That's the church leader's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So my heartbeat, my goal for you is to do your job, not to feed you for the rest of your life, but to get you to the place where you're a self feeder, you're able, you're competent, and you're leading and shepherding others. And I love verse 13. I think verse 13 sets this incredibly high bar. Verse 13 kind of tells us, and when does this equipping stop? When have we said, man, we're done, we did it, we equipped everybody? Never. It never stops, verse 13, until we all attain maturity, until Christ returns. The church has a purpose and a function and a goal until Christ returns. See, this process will never stop until Christ returns for a a couple of reasons. Number one, the ultimate standard for maturity is Jesus Christ himself. You got a lot of work to do. I got a lot of work to do. I'm not there yet. So for the rest of my life, I need to continue to mature because the standard's not Travis Walker. The standard's not Todd Stiles. The standard is Jesus Christ. And so you will constantly mature for the rest of your life. Secondly, it will never end because new believers are added to the family every day through faith. So the process starts over, begins again, continues. Young children come to faith. Teenagers come to faith. Adults come to faith. And we're like, okay, we gotta start. We gotta start maturing them, discipling them, helping them grow and mature in their love and knowledge of God. And so I have great job security. It will never end. There will always be maturity and discipleship. You have great job security. There will always be more people to disciple more people to bring along the process and, and to equip. So you have the church leaders whose job is to equip the saints, and then you have the equipped saints who grow, grow up into one mature body. The church leaders equip with an expectation that the saints will grow. Did you know that? I hope you know that about me and Pastor Todd and our elders. We expect growth. We view you with great expectation and hope. Man, great things are ahead. These folks are gonna grow tremendously because we have great confidence in God. We pastors should expect spiritual growth from the saints. We should see children growing up into fully functioning adults. That's what you expect as parents. That's what we expect as pastors, for you to to grow up and to mature and for God to send you on whatever he has for you. And if we aren't seeing growth, progress, results, we should be concerned that something isn't right. Something's not working. Either we aren't equipping like we ought to or the saints we are equipping aren't actually saints. And we see that sometimes too. Like, man, why isn't, why isn't he getting it? Why isn't he obeying? Why isn't he repenting like he should and... Sometimes you come to the conclusion he's not yet a child of God. He's not a believer like we thought he was. See, church family, a healthy church sees children grow up. It's normal. A healthy church should see results, should see things happen. Here's a few that we should expect regularly. Number one, baptisms. Baptisms is a normal part of a local church. We should constantly Regularly have the baptismal tank here baptizing people. If you, can I encourage you, if you don't see it, if, if it's been months, a year, and you haven't seen the baptismal use, can you call us out on that? Can we, can we have that conversation? That should be normal. We should be baptizing folks because that's one of our roles. That's one of the things that should be happening. People saved and baptized regularly. God's powerful, right? He saves people, save people, get baptized. That should be normal here at First Family Church. Number two, missionaries and church planners should be constantly sent. That should be very normal at First Family Church. And by God's grace, it has been, and it should be. We should be constantly ready to say goodbye. That's hard, isn't it? I don't want to say goodbye. I don't get excited about saying goodbye, but I should expect it and be ready to. I got an email this week from a small group leader. I was real excited about him leading a small group this year, and he wrote me an email and said, Hey, just a heads up, I'm going with AGC. I just want to give you that heads up. Well, we can talk about that more, but I'm going to be going with Angie Gospel Church. I won't be leading a first family small group. You know what I did? I responded to him and said, How dare you! You disappointed me. I was banking on you. You're mine. Parker can't have you. Repent. No. I emailed him and I said, praise the Lord. That is awesome. Do I want to see you leave? No. But am I excited about it? Absolutely. That's a win for the body. That's a win for the church. You're going to do great. You're gonna mature people at AGC. You're gonna help people grow and love and follow Jesus. Great job. You're grown up. That's so incredible. We should be regularly seeing missionaries go to the ends of the world. I want that to be normal here. I want you guys to feel the call of God on your life to go to the ends of the world. As terrifying as that is, that should be normal here. And we should say goodbye and lay our hands on you and pray over you and send you where the gospel has not gone. I pray that that is normal at First Family Church. And lastly, new leaders being developed. That's one of the reasons we showed you those opportunities. We want you to grow up and serve and lead others. And there's needs. There's opportunities. We have spots. We need you. I want want 20 more small group leaders. I need you. And guess what? It's really healthy for you to be a small group leader or a youth leader, or work with the children's ministry. It's good for you to lead others. That's what mature adults do. They grow up and they lead other. These things ought to be normal and regular. You see, if spiritual children remain children under our watch, something's not right. We might be enabling them. It's good for your children who live in your home to go on, isn't it? I remember when I was in high school, I felt the Lord's call upon my life to uh, be a youth pastor and to go on. And my dad, he just loves ministry and church and wanted us to go on for God. He, got his under, he, he knew his job description was to equip. And so my dad did a really good job of discipling me. Um, and I remember him saying, okay, you wanna be a youth pastor, you gotta give me your summers. You gotta let me equip you. We gotta let me get you ready for ministry, it's hard work. I said, I think I'm in. I don't really know what that means. He's like, I'll get you ready. So I remember I went to, I went, he said, go to Bible college. So I went to Bible college and my last day of my freshman year, my dad hands me an address. He says, here you go, bye. I got you an internship. I want you to go learn to love and serve people. And he gave me an address in Rochester, New York. And he said, see you in about three months, buddy. It'll be great. And he shipped me off to a church. I did not know one single soul in the state of New York. And I hopped in my Honda and cord and drove to someplace. All I had was the address before GPS. It was a lot harder. And I got there and I met my boss. And my boss said, here we go, buddy. Here's your job. Get to work. I remember I went back to Bible college for my sophomore year. My last day of my sophomore year of college, my dad hands me an address and says, I got you a... um, a counseling job at a Christian camp in Greenville, Michigan. Go to Lincoln Lake Baptist Camp and go serve people, go serve kids. So I hopped in my Honda Accord, drove nine hours away, didn't know a single soul. Got and met my boss and he said, here you go, you're a camp counselor. Here's fifth graders, here's third graders, here's high schoolers, disciple them. Point them to Jesus. I want to tell you, that was the hardest summer of my life. (laughs) But it was so good for me. I went back to Bible college my junior year. At the last day of my junior year, my dad hands me an address, says, here you go, buddy. I got an internship for you in West Chicago, Illinois. Didn't know a single soul. My Honda was still working, I think. Hopped in my car, drove to West Chicago, met my boss. He said, here's your youth group. Shepherd them, love them, point them to Jesus. That was a hard summer, but it was so good because my dad knew the job was to equip me, not protect me not to coddle me, not to feed me, but to get me ready to be an adult who can shepherd and love others. I'm so grateful for those experiences. They made me grow up. I was a little kid until those experiences taught me what it looks like to depend on Jesus and to love God. You see, this paradigm that we're laying out for you, it's not, it's not brand new. It's not... It, It's not blowing your mind right now. I didn't put it up on the screen and you're all like, whoa, I've never heard this before. This is common sense because this is exactly how the family works. This is exactly how it's supposed to work. Is the family supposed to pour into their children? Their children grow up and go on. They grow up and grow on and and they disciple and disciple more and more people. It should be very normal. But I want you to notice before we move on the common theme of us all in our passage today. Paul's view is not on individuals but on the corporate body all doing this together. I hope you notice that. In verse 13 he says, until we all. In verse 16 he says, the whole body And then in verse 16, he also says, each part. Paul had this idea of the whole corporate body should be growing up together. There shouldn't be like outliers, like, oh, Travis went on and and grew up spiritually, but the rest of the church didn't. No, it's a corporate thing. All of us should be growing up. All of us should be going on and living for God. It should be normal for the body to grow up. Paul expects the local church all to be growing up together, not just one individual here or there, Spiritual growth should be the norm, not the exception. All right, and and then lastly, part of this paradigm is the mature body builds itself up in love. He says in verse 16, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here are the picture is of mutual discipleship, mutual encouragement, mutual edification. All of this is the goal of the body as we pour into each other. You minister to each other. I think the greatest image of this that comes to my head is that of our small group ministry. I love small groups because it's literally where the body ministers to each other. Did you know we have very few small groups that have like an elder leading it or a deacon leading it or a staff person leading it? Most of our small groups don't have any of those people in it. It's the the saints living out the gospel with saints, pointing each other to spiritual growth and helping them love and pursue Jesus. That's exactly how it should work. This is exactly what the goal of the church is, where you see the role of the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, you see their role diminish. And you see the role of the mature saints increase to where they take what they've learned and pour in to others. Not only does our text give us a process but it shows us the product as well. Let's look at the product. I want you to look primarily at verse 13. Verse 13, I think, lays out for us a clear picture of what maturity looks like. Verse 13 looks like this. He gives us two main things to look for when you look for a mature Christian. Number one, unity of the faith. Notice that in verse 13, unity of the faith. This is theological depth. A mature Christian has theological depth, solid understanding of doctrine and our faith that brings unity with other believers. See, sometimes people think, oh, doctrine just divides, it just causes arguments. It shouldn't because we receive our doctrine and our theology from the word of God. And so it's clear, it helps us know where the lines are, what we ought to believe. Ephesians 4, four through six says this. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, in, in, and in all. This solid understanding of doctrine should unite the body. We agree on the tenets of faith. You see, maturity is a result of deeply understanding what you believe, knowing the core tenets of your faith creates maturity. I don't know about you. I'm curious maybe if any of you grew up in churches where the Apostles' Creed was recited weekly or the Nicene Creed was recited weekly. Why do you think they do that? Because they understand what we believe unites. So that's one piece of the service that helped the church see we're one. We're one in our understanding. There's unity in our faith. Here at First Family Church, nobody becomes a member unless they agree to the tenets of our faith. So we give you our core doctrines. We actually have about 25 people in membership class right now, and they're being given our core doctrines. They will affirm our core doctrines before they can become members. And it's the core doctrines that unite us as brothers and sisters in Christ. See, we ought not to say, what what do you believe? What what do you believe? Oh, that's interesting. That's different. What what do you believe? Instead, we ought to say, what do we believe? We're one body. There's one faith. And that unites us as brothers and sisters in Christ. So not only is there unity of the faith, but the second piece of this spiritual mature um, equation, if you will, is knowledge of the Son of God. So you have theological depth, but you also have relational depth. A knowledge of the Son of God, relational death. We must know the one we love. We must know the one we worship. You can't love and worship him if you don't know him. I think many religious people believe that church attendance equates spiritual maturity. And our text tells us very clearly that it is not that. Rather, it teaches us that knowledge and understanding equal spiritual maturity, A deep relationship with Jesus defines a spiritually mature person because knowledge leads to love and love leads to devotion and obedience. You won't obey somebody you don't know. You won't love somebody you don't know. You might put up with it or go along with it, but you won't adore them and serve them. If you don't know them, that is our relationship with Christ. The more you know about Christ, the more you'll love him. The more you love Christ, the more you'll serve and give your life to him. Well, you know what makes us Christians, don't you? What makes us Christians is our emphasis on Christ, Jesus himself, his life, his death and resurrection from the grave that paid the penalty for our sin. You aren't a Christian unless you know, love and worship Jesus. That's why everything we sing is about Jesus. Everything we do is about Christ. That's what makes us Christians. We're in Christ. We're not in a church building. We don't go to services. We're in Christ. That's what makes us Christian. And then all of those two you have a theological depth, you have a relational depth, and that equals maturity. I wanna give you a quick take-home truth. You can write this down, you can chew on it, you can ponder it, you can disagree with it, but I'll at least give it to you to think about it. It says this, spiritual maturity is a theologically deep faith and a deep relational love of Christ, which leads to a life of obedience, service, and consistency. It's the two pieces, theological depth, and a relational depth that leads to maturity. And maturity creates obedience, service, and consistency. Have you ever met just a spiritually deep person? Somebody that's just super mature? They're stable. They're consistent. They're solid. Nothing rattles them because they trust and know Jesus. And Paul's illustration of maturity is the difference between a child and an adult at the ocean. Can you picture it just for a second? About 10 days ago, we were in the Atlantic Ocean, and I took my son, Finn, and he hadn't been there in years. And so I took him, and we're playing in the waves, and he's just getting destroyed, right? He's just getting hit. And then all of a sudden, another wave comes, and he's like, another one? I just got, you know, just getting pummeled. And so we're like, here, buddy, here's a boogie board. And he's kind of holding onto that, and it's destroying him. Here's an inflatable tube, you know? Put it around your waist, and it's turning him upside down and making him bob, and he's just getting destroyed. And then I go out in the ocean and my other children go out in the ocean and we're just jumping over the waves, having a great time. There was a clear difference between a child and an adult, wasn't there? By how we handle the waves. That's Paul's illustration. There's a difference between a child and an adult. Spiritual adults are steady. They're sturdy in their faith. The chaos of the day can't move them. Crazy theologies and doctrines that pop up. Some YouTuber shares some crazy ideas. The spiritually mature person isn't rocked, isn't shaken, because they know the one their foundation is built upon. Nothing shakes them. Where the child gets nervous and frantic. Oh no, I heard this. Did you read this on Twitter? Oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? A clear delineation between an adult and a child. The spiritual child is devastated by every cultural wave that comes upon them, tossing them and injuring them with each crash. See, church, we've been through a tough two years, but based upon what we know about scripture, it could be a whole lot worse. It's gonna get harder, probably, and spiritually mature Christians shouldn't be shaken when hard things come. You should have been able to see the spiritual mature even during a pandemic, because they're solid, they're stable. They know Christ. They know the founder of their faith. They know the creator of the world, the one that gives breath to their lungs. God's got us. He'll take care of us. He's taking care of us every day of our life. He's got us. So when something else comes that's worse than a pandemic, do you think they'll be shaken? By no means. God's got us. He's always been faithful to us. That's spiritual maturity. As a pastor for about 17 years now, I've observed a few things. I want to just share them with you that apply to our text. Number one, the great joy there is in seeing spiritual children become spiritual adults. There's no greater joy than when you see somebody who's just new to the faith get it. And they're hungry, and they're like, this is incredible. Have you ever taught this to anybody? we're like, yeah, that's your job. Go, go lead somebody. Go help in the children's ministry. It's so fun when you see spiritual children become spiritual adults. The second observation, which is also fun, is when you see cultural children, like teenagers, middle schoolers, kids, act like spiritual adults. Oh my goodness, there's nothing more fun than that. As a youth pastor for years, it's amazing when you take a 14 year old and they're like, have you ever studied theology? It's awesome. Did you know that Christ is, and they're just rattling off theology and they're memorizing scripture and you're like, dude, you're a kid, that's awesome. You have spiritual depth of an adult. Man, you're growing, you're maturing. God doesn't care about age. Spiritual, spiritual maturity should be norm. But sadly, there's something we see quite often as well. And that's when cultural adults act like spiritual children. And we see that quite often too. When we're confused because we thought they were farther along. I'm like, whoa, just, it's okay. God's got you. Why are you getting so uptight? Why are you getting so stressed out? Why are you, why are you, why are you going crazy? God's, God's got you. And then you realize they're not as spiritually mature as you thought they were. We've seen that quite often too. And our text is a great reminder for us of what spiritual maturity looks like. Theological depth, relational depth with Jesus. And then lastly, verse 16 tells us what it takes to get there. Verse 16 says, when each part is working properly, they build itself up in love. When each part is working properly, not the church staff, not the elders, not the deacons. When each part is working properly, that's what makes this flourish. When every single one of you, every single one of me, all the elders, all the deacons, all the staff, all the congregants, when we know our role and we're doing it, that's when the team explodes and, gets, and things are happening. You see results when it's like a clock, right? The clock has all the, all the I don't know anything about clocks, but you know when they all work. Uh, the clock ticks like it should and it produces results and it's on time. When all of us are working like we ought to, that's when a church flourishes. So when you see revival happen, when you see spiritual maturity take off is when every part is working like it ought to. So what do mature Christians do? They love and they serve one another. That's the outward demonstration of an inward spiritual maturity. Knowledge and faith can be hard to see, but spiritual maturity manifests itself in a way that is very visible. Here at FFC, I just want to take my last couple minutes and describe for you what equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry looks like. We don't use the word equip like internally, we use the word uh, develop. So if you've ever heard our mission statement here at First Family Church, it is, we exist to develop devoted followers of Jesus Christ who celebrate, grow, and serve for the glory of God. Have you heard that before? I hope so. Praise the Lord. Awesome. So that's our in-house terminology. And this is kind of what I want to just lay out for you and have you do a little self-introspection. As a person who is a part of First Family Church, I wanna ask you just to reflect for a moment. Are you in the process? Are you growing? Are you maturing? And again, we're not a perfect church, but we've just kinda laid out some natural next steps. What we believe spiritual maturity looks like at First Family Church. Things that should be normal in your life that create spiritual maturity. So we say it this way at First Family Church celebrate the gospel regularly, weekly, make that a normal rhythm. So I should be able to ask anybody at First Family Church, which service do you attend? And you should be able to tell me, oh, I'm a 930 person. I'm there every single week. Awesome. That is great. You celebrate the gospel with us at 930. That is awesome. We also believe at First Family Church, we grow best in community. So we grow as we hear the word of God taught, but we grow best in community where you're known, loved, and held accountable. So I should be able to ask any person who's at First Family Church, which small group you in? And you should be able to tell me. By the way, small group st- sign up start next week. Next Sunday, we'll have a booth out there. You'll see it on the website. Next week, we'll have at least 35 small groups that will launch. And they are our way that we believe community happens best. And so next week, I'm gonna be able to ask you, right? Which small group are you in? And you'll be able to tell me. And if you say, oh, I don't know. I'll be like, oh, hey, here's my phone. Hey, let me sign you up real quick. It's on our website. Oh, I've got a great small group for you. Let me sign you up. And then lastly, we serve the mission. God has given you gifts, talents, and abilities for the sake of the mission, seeing people come to Christ. And every single one of you, spiritual maturity looks like serving and loving others, teaching others. So I should be able to ask you, which team do you serve on? This is where we started our service today by showing you our teams and showing you our opportunities and our needs and where there's spots for you because nobody can say First Family Church doesn't need me. There's nowhere to serve. There's nothing to do. We have so many opportunities for you and it is our heart's desire that everyone at First Family Church can say I'm on the small groups team. I'm on the youth team. I'm on the kids team. I'm on the Those teams. I'm on that team. This is where I use my gifts, talents, and abilities for the glory of God. We believe that's what spiritual maturity looks like. Celebrate the gospel, grow in community, serve the mission weekly. That's what you need. That's what we need from you to develop devoted followers of Jesus Christ who celebrate, grow, and serve for the glory of God. So can I ask you this as we end? Are you doing your part? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Are there some natural results happening in your life? And if the answer to that is no, then you're probably not celebrating growing and serving, or at least not weekly. You'd be like the kid who goes to school once a week and the teacher has a parent-teacher conference and says, kid's not growing because they never show up to school. What, What do you expect? How am I supposed to teach your first grader how to learn if they or how to read if they never come to class. Common expectations. This is what normal looks like. Celebrate, grow, and serve for the glory of God. If you wanna start serving, contact one of our ministry leaders or talk to somebody at our Connect Center right after the service. But church, as we end today, the best thing you can do, the best thing that keeps us grounded and keeps us focused and keeps us solid is remembering that Christ first served you. And that's where we wanna end communion today. Because if we don't end with Christ's sacrifice on the cross, then everything I said today feels like obligation, more law, more things to do for God to be happy. And that's not what we're about. God is fully satisfied in those who believe in his son's sacrifice on the cross. And so remembering that he first served you will cause you to serve him with your lives. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more messages, visit firstfamily.church forward slash sermons or subscribe to our podcast feed. Thanks for listening.